I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us through our podcast. And let me extend a personal invitation as well to join us at RRPC in person Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This season in the church is a rather odd time. We call it ordinary time, a time where there is no real special celebration like Advent, Christmas, or Easter. Some find it difficult to speak of time and faith as ordinary. But if you think about it, we have a lot of ordinary days in our lives. Even still, God is the God of special days, and God is the God of ordinary days. So come journey with us. May you be renewed and empowered, comforted, and challenged as we listen to and for God's Word together today. Hi, I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church, and thanks for joining in to our sermon podcast today. We hope you find God's love, grace, and challenge as you listen to and for God's Word. I'm Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son who has a spirit that makes him unable to speak and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd had come together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. This is the word of the Lord. I did forget to to make this other announcement, so I'll do it right quick. Um, several folks have asked about my mom. She, you know, she sits down in this area. Um, Thursday night, she... She thought it'd be a good idea at Taylor Glen at 85 years old to teach people the electric slide. And um, 
and she fell and she uh, she kind of hurt her hip and so we went to the emergency room and um, spent a very long time there Thursday and Friday but um, but we did finally get her home and uh, she's she's doing okay and uh, thanks for the folks who have asked about her and for being good to her down here in the front row and um, uh, the, the, it, it, we, we were in the uh, emergency room a long time through Friday afternoon and uh, when we finally got her home and the um, so, but we were glad everything worked out. But the, you know, our, the family dynamics, and and it was Thursday night. You know uh, how that plays out. So every little bit, she would go, "Is Carolina beating Duke?" You know, it's so like, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad y'all think that's funny. <laughs> but um, you know, I told her, I said, you know, as your son, I want to just leave. As your pastor, I have to stay. So, uh, It's just so much fun being me. Um, but we finally did get some sleep. Uh, but all is well. So it's Transfiguration Sunday. This is the Sunday that's, that starts that road, that journey to, to Lent. Jesus goes up that mountain. And, and, and from that moment on, all he's looking at is Jerusalem. But, but there's something about going up a mountain to start a trip. Uh, sacred mountains are... Central to many religions, mysticism and the mountains are nothing new for those who are curious about faith. All the people in, throughout the centuries consider holy the mountains by our ancestors of faith since way back. It just seems that as far back as we can remember, we have been going up mountains for a spiritual connection Maybe it's the symbolic aspect of mountains, you know, going up, going up the side of the mountain, getting closer to heaven, being there. Who knows? And it's, it's not just our religion, by the way. It's, most all religions have some mystic mountaintop notion since the dawn of time. Our faith ancestors have been going up the mountain for as long as we've been telling faith stories. If you think about it, they go up mountains to worship God. They go up mountains to make sacrifices, to make promises to God, to, to prove their devotion and love for God. They even go up a mountain to gather up a list of commandments for us to ponder as a people of faith. And they've gone up mountains to hear from God and to be transformed by God. Jesus is no different than the rest of us. At least that's the impression that Mark leaves us with in this story today. He trudges up that high mountaintop apart from the world below and takes three of his disciples, three of the twelve, to go with him. Actually, his three faves, his BFFs, if you will, Peter, James, and John, they all go with him in search of the, this divine holy other moment, something he doesn't expect to find down on this side of the mountain. But Jesus finds what he came for up there and up on the mountain. He is he's transfigured. He's changed, transformed. His clothes are alluring white, bright as bright can be, we're told. And for those who watched the Super Bowl last week, this is the Transfiguration's just another Tide ad. You know, if you watched the Super Bowl last week, glistening white. 
This event is so magnificent. Current celebrities of their day aren't good enough to show up for this party. They have to get two from the past. Two big names. Ancient history giants of the faith. Elijah and Moses. How did they get there? Where'd they come from? It's anyone's guess. How the disciples recognize Elijah and Moses as Elijah and Moses. Your speculation is as good as mine. And up on the mountain, Peter, like we said before earlier, this is a major moment for him. He's like, teacher, this is really cool. This is so cool. Why don't we just make a subdivision right up here? Nothing elaborate, nice. We'll gate it off for you. Moses and Elijah, they'll have places. We might even put in a pool. But let's just stay here. A haze eclipses the landscape, encapsulates them all. And this voice comes out of the middle of the mist. A voice sounds this recent common theme. This is my son, the beloved. That's the same exact thing we heard not too long ago on baptism of the Lord Sunday. At Jesus' baptism, remember? Same voice. This is my beloved son. Except today, up on the mountain, the fog there present, the voice adds this. Listen to him. Listen to him. The haze dissipates, evaporates, dissolves. No one, nothing, no sound, no famous Bible characters, nothing. Except Jesus. And there he is, by himself alone. Three disciples watching him. The mountaintop offers this occasion for meaningful faith, a deep, steady faith. A faith that runs deep within us like a cold stream, like the trees that are hunkered down by the stream that won't be moved, like solid stone bridges that have been built to stand against time and weather. It's that kind of faith, kind of like the faith when you're up on a mountain and you take in that good, clean, wonderful air. Yet all that, in that scene that astounds us about that, that really isn't the most important part of this passage, if you ask me. But did you hear the most important part? Candace read it. Let's do it again. As they were coming down the mountain. As they were coming down the mountain. Jesus' first encounter is with a little boy with an unclean spirit, and Jesus heals him. Jesus goes up the mountain, yes, for revelation, transformation, transfiguration, renewal, to hang out with some spiritual heroes from the past, to hear God's voice, yes, up the mountain. He does all those things. But when all is said and done, they come back down the mountain to the hurting valleys of the world. Transfiguration isn't as much a story about going up as it is about coming down, if you ask me. Down into the brokenness and the fear and the disappointment and the loss that's found in the valleys. Transfiguration isn't about living out a faith up on the top of the mountain. It's much more about living out that mountaintop faith down in the valley where the world is 
Jesus went up to be transfigured. Yes, he did. But he came down to transform the mundane nature of everyday life in the valley. To live out faith in the valley of our lives. The nitty gritty details of our lives. The misunderstandings, the squabblings, the disbelief, the hurt. He came down transformed and to transform in the religious and political squabbles and quarrels of their day to the jealousies and the rivalries, the petty and the gigantic, into the valleys of our relationships. He came down into the valleys of poverty and pain that are part and parcel of valley life. Such as living a mountaintop faith down here on level ground. Jesus is not afraid of the difficult moments in our life. He's not afraid. That's why he can come back down the mountain and live here amidst us. Jesus' descent back down the mountain into the valleys of the world reminds us that we don't have to hide those hard and thorny parts of our lives from him. He can handle it. Those are the very parts he comes down the mountain to be a part of, to be to be there to help us transform, to transform our lives. He is transfigured and he comes to the valley to transform us where we are. Last week, actually Thursday morning, my good buddy and good-natured friend Evan Spickard ran up to me at the Harrisburg Family Restaurant where I was having breakfast. It's something early in the morning to have a smile and energy that he has and the willingness to come over and talk to a minister. He hasn't gotten old enough yet to know what kind of a nerd we really are as pastors. But to have vigor and verve to come and talk and share and greet us. It reminded me of another child in my life, Candace, when she was young. When we would take her out to eat in the same kind of instance, when she was around six years old, we would just order her food like if we would have been at the Harrisburg Family Restaurant, but we would just tell them from the word go, please put it in um, a to-go box. They would always look at us funny, but we knew good and well that she's never going to eat while we were in a restaurant with people. She was going to talk to everybody while she was there and leave her food. And so we just had them start putting it in a box right from the word go because if we didn't, you know, you'd just pay for a meal that would never get eaten. So we would do that and um, let her talk and bug everybody else. I know that's probably not right as a parent, but it gave me a break. So <laughs> Sorry. But she would just talk the entire time and, and take in everybody else's stuff. So once we were, we were in Washington, D.C. on vacation, and, and we had eaten, and yeah, we had put our styrofoam container, and we, were, we got on the metro, the blue and the yellow line, to go back to Crystal City, to go back to our hotel room. And, and at that, that metro stop, it's, you know, some of them have those really long escalators that take you up, and I mean, they're long, some of them. And I could see him standing there at the top. He, he, he was just standing there waiting. And, and, you know, I've done this long enough to know that guy was going to ask for money. 
he was going to ask for money. He was going to tell me he wanted food, but he wanted money. And I knew he was going to ask for it. So you're riding that long escalator ride up going, what am I going to say to this guy? Or just walk past him. And, and he did. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He said, I, man, I, I'm really, really hungry. Can you just, I don't want money. I just want food. I walked past him because, you know, I guess I'm, I was on vacation and I, you know, I was from, and I just, I was on vacation. And I guess you can be on vacation from being a pastor, but it's really hard to be on vacation from being a person of faith. But I walked past him and didn't really pay much attention to him. And Candace jumped out from behind me and said, you, you can have mine. You can have mine. And that guy sat down on this bench right there and just devoured it. He really wasn't trying to scam me. He was just a guy who was hard on his luck. And he was really hungry. I mean, really hungry. So I asked her later, why in the world did you do that? And she said something to the effect, not word for word, but that's what you tell us to do in your sermons, Dad. Well, that, that is just no good <laughs> to have your words thrown back at you. But that's living out mountaintop faith in a valley world. As we come to this table today, we gather as Christ's disciples, connected to one another, connected to God's grace at this table, sustained by his care. And it's here we see Christ's love in a transformative way at this table like no other. We're reminded here that he gave himself away for us, his body and his blood. And here we are to be transformed and sustained by God's grace. It's a wonderful place to be. I love communion. I love staring into the eyes of our elders and saying to them, the body broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. It is a wonderful place. But we don't get to stay here. We come up to the table to be transformed. But we go out. To take that transformation to the world around us. The grace that we know at this table is not to be lived out on a mountaintop. It's the kind of grace that you take down from the table and you take it out and you share it with others. The table reminds us that Christ is working in the world and in the church despite all the valleys that come our way. At the table, we remember the one who entered the dark places and the valleys of the world and he still seeks out those dark places and flat ground of our lives to this day. And gives us the mountaintop faith to name those broken and hurt places in our lives and in the world. And gives us faith from the mountaintop to be transformed to share it with others down here on flat ground. Grace from the table sustains us even in the valleys. I know it's easy to stay in safe places and in the confines of the walls of the mountain. Transformation, transfiguration, restoration that leads Jesus down the mountain to the valley and to the cross 
leads us today as well as a people of faith right here on our busy corner of the world. So people of God, come up here to be transformed by this table and by the presence of Christ. But don't linger here because this is not where we belong. Transfiguration isn't so much a story about going up. It's far more a story about coming down. Thanks be to God. This is Neil Carter thanking you once again for listening to our podcast at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. You can also visit us at our website, complete with our online donations for those wishing to give. Come check us out at our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Or if you're in the Harrisburg, North Carolina area, feel free to drop in and visit us in person. Thanks again for being with us today.